0: They come all set. All right. <clears throat> I'm your host couple Cam.
1: Also joining me today is Tiberius Cicero. You almost got it there. Almost did.
2: <laughs> it was it was close. It was close.
1: Said it a dozen times and I
2: still get it wrong. <laughs> oh yeah. You'll get it one day, don't no worry. <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm Tiberius. I'm pretty much a jack-of-all-trades here in the Omega Republic, I've just about done everything but the kitchen. (laughs) You can interpret that how you will.
1: There's many ways we can interpret that, but we'll leave that up to the audience to decide. Anyways, thank you for joining us here on Suiting Up for Life, where we seek out those in the furry fandom and get to know what it's like to be a furry, what they do to make who they are part of the community. Today we have Shal music joining us from I believe it's America, but we'll go ahead. Yep. And... <laughs> Anyways, if you could just go ahead and introduce yourself.
0: Yeah, sure. So I'm I I'm Shal, or for the furries, uh, I go by Shally, um, and uh, yeah, I've been in the the furry fandom for about oh, I think about ten years at this point maybe a little longer. Um, uh, My big thing is that I do YouTube. I make tutorial videos on audio recording, on how to do various uh, vocal effects. Um, And I also make music on the side. So it's fun. That's the good stuff.
1: Awesome. I believe you already answered this, but I kind of (laughs) I've already forgot. Uh, how long have you been part of the fandom, and what brought you here?
0: Uh, the furry fandom, like I said, about about ten years or so. Um, I got involved in it initially thanks to a web comic. Uh, it's no longer running, but uh, back in the day, uh, there was a, a furry web comic. It was highlighted on WikiFur at the time. I was like, "Hmm, this is pretty interesting." Um, it had a lot of like uh, LGBT themes in it. Um, and I was like, oh, this is different, because um, like I was very like this was in high school, and I went to a very Catholic high school, so that was an interesting time for me. Um, and so I went, I discovered that that web comic had a forum, uh, like a like a message board, um, and I went on there, and it was just all furries, and everyone was super nice and really, really gay. <laughs> and that just, it just ended up working out. Like, people were very friendly, and I realized, oh, wait, gay people are cool people too. And then that sort of gave me an opportunity to sort of explore my own orientation to an extent. Um, but that was sort of my introduction to the fandom. I, I was basically just sort of a lurker for several years. I only really went to my first convention in 2012, which was Anthrocon. So that's kind of how I got into it.
2: It was the Big Daddy convention.
0: Yeah, at the time, yeah.
1: And for those who don't know, Anthrocon is where again?
0: Uh, that is in Pittsburgh. Um, last I checked, I think it had about 8,500 attendees. Uh, I didn't get a chance to go last year, but it, it's it's a pretty amazing convention. If you, if you haven't had a chance to go, you really should.
2: Oh, yeah. What comic was it? uh the comic was called
0: concessions it was by a uh by an artist named immelman um it's not super well known but like it, it had a pretty big following from like like the, the it had a, enough fans that like the like the fan base was small but mighty i guess you could describe it
2: all right i mean they could really garner a fun following like that can't it
0: I mean I—I I mean I make funny noises into a microphone and I've got a bit of a following, so I guess you're right.
2: I hope to go in that direction too. I'm very good with my mouth. Haha. Uh, I've always wanted to be a voice actor. Voice acting is fun. Making silly voices with your mouth is always
1: Is there anything else? Next question? Oh, of course, of course. Uh, well, I suppose, I mean, I could go ahead and ask this question, but for those of you watching, you can kind of already see on the stream how I've got posted up already of his uh, YouTube page. But I'll go ahead and ask this anyways. But what do you what do you contribute to the fandom?
0: <laughs> um, uh, that's an interesting question, and that's sort of been evolving especially in very recent years. Um, Cause for a while, like I just went to conventions. I just kind of was there. Um, but like increasingly I've made an effort to try and find ways to contribute to the fandom. Like uh, on my fur affinity page, I've written a very detailed uh, guide sort of explaining how fur suiting works. Um, and just like the various ins and outs and, nuances of fursuiting um more recently and this is the part that i'm particularly proud of is that i started running panels at conventions um, so this past uh, this, this actually last weekend i got i sort of hit he- i sort of hit peak panel uh where i ran two panels uh at first squared over in wisconsin um i ran a couple hours ago uh for a brony convention called ha um and so that was that was a lot of fun but yeah i did that i did that panel at first squared and then i also do a a panel called uh, let's record a song in an hour um which is a hell of a lot fun a hell of a lot of fun when people show up uh but it's, it's i've only done it twice so far so it's kind of new but that's kind of what i want to do is i want to get more involved in the musical side of the furry fandom um, and that, and I also want to do more fursuit stuff, just because fursuiting is a hell of a lot of fun.
2: I wish I could fursuit. But it's a really big luxury, but it's something you really get in. But it's a lot of fun, it ain't cheap, though, so I totally understand that. Oh, fuck no. Mm. Oh, absolutely not. Upwards, upwards of a few thousand is definitely not cheap. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, that one part I wasn't even aware of was you doing some writing. Um, when the stream is over, could you provide a link that we can put in the description? So people... yeah,
0: I'll, yeah, I'll send that over. It's very rough. Um, it's basically just a collection of thoughts around fur suiting, but it is not small. It's like hundred pages. It's it's I call it uh Shally's more or less comprehensive Fursuit guide. Um, I could I'll send that over to you guys.
1: Awesome. I Well, for anyone watching this, they might grow curious and, you know, want to dig as deep as they can to get all the opinions that they want out of whoever they, you know, see or listen to. <clears throat> um, I suppose the next question would be, and I, you've kind of already answered it already, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it anyways. Uh, we... Are you a suitor, and um, if since you aren't, will you seek out a suit maker, and do you have any preferences?
0: Oh, I am a suitor. Uh, oh! I, I do have a fursuit. Um, it was, uh, it's my, my fursona, Shally. Um, she's a dragon. Um, the suit was, I, I initially commissioned the suit and... Received it. I received the suit uh, in August of 2015. So that will make her about four years old at this point. Oh. Um, it, it was made by uh, Comic Crazy Studios. Uh, you may know also know of her as Temperance. Um, she's a fantastic maker if you get a chance to commission her. She does a lot of a lot of different kinds of suits, but she really specializes in her realistic suits. So definitely, definitely worth a look.
2: What type of suit is
0: it? Is it a Digi-grade or plant It is a full uh grade suit. Um, it is semi realistic. Uh, the The head is uh, the head is a resin base, um, but it is it is a, a lot cuter than I kind of envision it being. So I'm trying to play that up a little bit.
2: Well, it so, has to be cute, doesn't
0: it? It doesn't have to be. It could be cool looking. Like I could have gone like the whole clockwork creatures route and have like the super realistic kind of thing those are way more expensive though so considering it was my first suit i'm pretty i'm pretty happy
2: with it that's well that's good it's always good to either find a balance so all you know find a balance or go full cute or full realistic that's just a thing people big fluffy nose big paws <laughs> stuff like that and a squeaker <laughs> so yeah it's a bit mine's a bit different
0: but i am looking to sort of uh change things up a bit like i'm starting to add uh outfits to my first suit okay. uh like at at uh first squared i had like a like a paisley vest and like a top hat because it was a it was a las vegas theme for the convention so it was fun oh,
2: that's cool that is wonderful that sounds like it'll be really fun it was
1: <laughs> um, this kind of leads into our next question um uh, Based on your choice of animal or Sona, uh, do you feel it represents your personality or do you want to be more like it emotionally?
0: That's an interesting question. Um, it's kind of weird for me because my, my uh, persona is very, like, if either of you have played uh, Dungeons & Dragons, um, it is very, very, very loosely based off of a uh, copper dragon from D&D 3.5. Um, and those those dragons are very much uh, like they're pranksters. They're jokers. Um, I don't play into that as much with my character. Um, but I will say that I do sort of feel like an affinity towards dragons. like They always sort of resonated with me very strongly I don't quite know why but it just always sort of felt right for me like the, the expression uh, you don't choose your species the species chooses you that's just kind of
2: how it's been with me with dragons I kind of feel the same way <laughs> I just feel dragons way too much
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird but that's just kind of how it goes
1: that's awesome
0: it, so,
1: you would say that Dungeons & Dragons inspired you, or it was before Dungeons & Dragons that you kind of led towards that creature?
0: Um... So, I, I guess I kind of always really liked dragons, but I never really made anything of it until well after I started playing D&D. Um, like... So it's like, I, dragons were just kind of like, cool, dragons and whatever. And then I started playing D&D, uh, and then like D&D was, has been a huge part of my growing up. Um, one of the, like, indeed my fursona is based off of a dragon character that I had created for, for D&D, uh, thanks to probably my favorite D&D book of all time, the Draconomicon, no surprise there, (laughs) um. It's a beautifully illustrated book if you ever if you ever get a chance to see it, it is like some of the, some of the pictures in there are just absolutely breathtaking. Um, but that was a huge inspiration for me to create my character. Um, and then it just sort of mor- morphed and evolved over the years. Um, and then I only really started to see myself as like, "Oh yeah, I'm a furry. Like that only really sort of clicked. Once, once I discovered that webcomic because it's like I've always kind of had an interest in animals and like anthropomorphized animals but I didn't know that there was a thing for that until furry happened to me um, and then my persona just kind of evolved into its current iteration so
1: yeah wow mm, that's good that is so cool
0: it's interesting how th- it's that's always the thing it's like how people's how people came to be like what they are in terms of their persona is just like how things have evolved for them it's always fascinating just because of how intensely
2: personal it is absolutely people have everyone has their own reason for having the species that they chose or what they seem to gel into it's it's almost different for every single person you know obviously people have the similar traits that brings their interest into the whole thing but for each person rarely were they the same.
1: Mm-hmm. That is. And I mean, we do appreciate you sharing that as well. It's It's not always easy for a person to explain why they chose what they chose and and not everyone sticks with one particular OC. Like, they're still kind of searching themselves.
0: No, I totally agree with that.
1: Um, being a furry and or brony, walking among society, do, do you feel more or less alone than before you
0: became what you are? That's an interesting question. Okay, um, yeah, I don't know if it necessarily like because, like, I've never really felt lone, like alone, all that much. Um, as it's, I I guess, I've just been very lucky, but I've always found it very easy to find friends in whatever uh, incarnation they may be, Um, whether they are in the fandom or outside the fandom. I, I tend to. I tend to find my people fairly easily. Um, and when I say my people, I mean giant nerds. Um, but that's just kind of how I roll. But as far as in the fandom, like I, do, I have felt sort of a, a greater connection and sort of a better understanding of who I am thanks to the fandom. Both fandoms, really. Um, the furry fandom has given me an opportunity to explore myself from, like, a sexual orientation and gender identity perspective. Um, and that – and just sort of, like, I've – and be, partially because of that and because of how much time I've spent in the, the furry fandom, like, it feels like a family to me. Like, I may not have some, like, that many connections, but I have developed very strong connections with some people. Um, and just, like – being around people that just immediately like, oh, I can explain any part of myself and they will immediately get that. That's that's special. Um, and then the Brony fandom, that has really fostered my creativity. Um, like there's a lot of music that I would not have created had it not been for the Brony fandom. Um, I got into making YouTube videos because of the Brony fandom. Like I saw folks like, uh, folks in the analysis community, like those, were actually a lot of my inspiration for getting started. Was people was, were like Brony analysts, folks like Doctor Wolf and Silver Quill and Brony and Tommy Oliver and A and Y Pony. Um, those were all like sort of my inspirations for kind of getting into doing what I do. Um, just because it was it was really cool and it's just so like. I would not be doing what I do today. I would not have the following that I have if it weren't for the fandoms that I'm a part of. Like, I know I've built up a lot of, a lot based off of just like my content on its own merit, but like I got to where I am because like to an extent, because of, because of those fandoms, like my most watched video is a random Anthrocon filler video that happens to feature telephone. Um, And it's like, oh my God, there's so many furries now. Um, and before that, my most watched video was a brony cover song that I did. So, like, I can't deny that the that those fandoms have had a big influence on my on my channel.
2: That's a thing that I've noticed with the with the brony fandom. It is a very creatively diverse fandom because. Most of the reason why I want to do voice work and why I want to make music and sing and all of that is because of the amount of music I listened to throughout the 2012 era of the fandom. Mm-hmm. Because there are just so many artists that did so much about that time. Now less so, but I have, most... Yeah, I, there's room for debate there.
0: Uh, I'd say that, honestly, there are more artists today than there, are, than there used to be. It's just... There's kind of such a dense oversaturation of it that no one's poking through. It's different from how it used to be, from -hmm. how how I see it. But, like, Ask McKenzie, oh my god, there's so much music that he... I mean, I'm
1: sorry to interject with my own opinion here, I just... Go for it, go for Uh, it. I mean, the artist that always first comes to mind when I think Brony is, of course, Wooden Toaster.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I... totally agree um toaster has been it or glaze thats i guess he prefers to be known now mm-hmm. um huge influence on me like partially partly like the my intention to do stuff around vocal effects um was inspired by glaze mm-hmm. uh because he, he made such heavy use of that in his music um and and like i realized that people there really wasn't someone who did anything else like that other than glaze. And it's like, wow, that's really cool. And just because his effect is very, un- like that, his effect, like he's used many effects over the years, but um, the one like from Nightmare Night and mm-hmm. Yonder Garden and uh, Heartmender, those are all the same vocal effect. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very unique to him because I don't, there are very few people who have done that particular style of like, Layering of, layering of certain of of copies of your voice like that. It's like I can't think of anyone else who's done it like that. Which is why I call it the wooden toaster effect. <laughs> is because no one else does it. <laughs> it's
1: it's I mean it's it sticks out. I don't. And mm-hmm. it's not like there's not like other people's content isn't good. It's just that his just has that unique sound.
0: Yeah, it's, like, you can very easily tell Toaster's music when you hear it.
1: I couldn't even tell you how many times
0: I've listened to
2: Rainbow Factory.
0: Mm-hmm, I agree there.
2: Classic. It does have, have its own particular cadence that makes you recognize the way, it, the way it plays, as well as the vocals, obviously. Yeah, it's the vocals, but it's also, like, is particular, like, he has a particular
0: style of sound design that's very, like, it's very, like, heavy use of distortion, but also very, like, it also feels very sparse in that way. And so it's, that's what's, it's, it's neat. It's very interesting. Like, the, his more recent song, Prototype VIP, was like a, that was like a, a sound design masterpiece, in my opinion. Mm hmm. Uh, I uh, someday I hope to get to that level. <laughs>
1: oh, it's, well, it's not about getting to that level. It's just about just knowing where your limits lie. You have to be. I mean, you you can always grow more and more. And I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's not a matter of being as good as somebody. It's just a matter of how free you feel to express yourself. I mean. Yeah, of course, yeah. It's easy to base good content from bad content, but I mean, the, it's all up to you how you judge yourself. I mean, you could only have like five views on a song and you could think that you did an awesome job and then you have another video that you thought you did a horrible job and wish you never posted and you get like a million views. So, I mean, right. it's, it's public opinion versus yours
0: hmm
2: No, I agree. It is about how, how you
0: gauge yourself. Comes one of many who appreciate the thing in question.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I suppose we might as well just jump into the last question, then. Uh, if you met someone who was new to the furry fandom... And they were just unsure of which way to go, what would you say to them?
0: Well, for starters, are they interested in getting involved in the furry fandom, or are they merely like, what is furry?
1: Well, let's just say they came across some, some videos of these people dressing up in fur suits, and they're like, okay, I've heard of this, but I wonder if it's for me.
0: Ah, okay. So they are interested, okay? Because I, because like, there's sort of two different answers depending on who they are. Because like, if it's the what is all this thing, it's just like, oh, they're just fans of cartoon animals. They like, they're like Trekkies, but they wear costumes in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just sort of move on about our days. And then they're like, oh,
1: okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> um,
0: but then uh, a love of anthropomorphized animals, yes, that is part of it, but also. It's a community of people who are so. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It uh, radically accepting. I think is an is an accurate way to describe the furry fandom. I like that. Yeah, they are radically non-judgmental of people. They are. You're able to form levels of connection with furries that it would be difficult to find anywhere else because you can express yourself in like in a myriad of ways and no one will bat an eye Mm -hmm. like and the fact that there's so much diversity there that people have seen it all and nothing is weird to them uh so there's that but also just like the sheer just ridiculous generosity of the furry fandom as well like this uh the convention i went to this past weekend um they uh, there were about 1100 people there they donated thirty two thousand dollars to this to their their chosen charity
1: Wow
0: yeah well granted one uh, a third about a third of that came from one person because they were particularly generous oh, wow. but um, yeah but it's imagine. still big big money ha- happening. It's just like the fact that you don't really see that in a lot of other conventions where people go that far above and beyond to help the kitties kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's the combination of all those things. It's the creativity. It's the radical non-judgmentalness. Non, non radical non judgment. Wow, non judgmentfulness. <laughs> I am on point. Uh, okay, and it's the combination between those two, the charitable giving, and just the willingness to just be a goofball is mm. is what makes furry unique. Like if you, it takes a special kind of person to put on an animal costume, uh, grab a old uh, uh, Sears mannequin put a bunch of paint and animal skulls all over it and run around <laughs> run around an old hotel asking people to push his buttons that yes that is something that literally happened to me this past weekend um that was it's just you have to, you have to be a special kind of person to do that and like that kind of like just the sheer well maybe it's just because for squared is just like absurdism of the convention but um it was just you need us you need to be a special kind of person to not only have the confidence to do that but to also just like expect other people to get into it with you like <laughs> this is a very unique fandom and it's just that kind of just all that stuff is what makes the furry fandom just such a special place and like i could wax Wax poetic about that for hours, but I don't want to bore your audience. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think our audience is fairly entertained. Uh, so would you say that you know LGBT, race, short, fat, young, old?
0: Is there any
1: kind? Would you say that there is next to no judgment inside of this fandom,
0: from what you? Um, seen? with one important exception. The furry fandom does not intoler- does not tolerate intolerance and <laughs> i i am very i am very passionate about that like you can be anything you want you can be anything like you can be like whatever views you may have you can be fine as long as you're not a dick basically that's the, the furry fandom has a very low tolerance for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And in places where they don't, the conventions get shut down looking at you, RMFC. Um, but we don't need to get into that right now. Mm-hmm. But like my point is, is the conventions that stick around are conventions that have a ban list and you only get banned if you break the rules. And most yep. of those rules are along the lines of jeopardizing people's safety and being a dick so don't be a dick that's the like but as long as as long as we're okay with that all bets are off <laughs> anything is anything goes like uh i'm not trying to sound like yeah hey, we're a big party whatever because i mean yes there may be a party at the same time i like to think that we are a very accepting fandom and demographic does not necessarily play a role in that yes it's uh, like there is the the fandom is less heterogeneous than I would like but that's just I think less a factor of it being furries and more a factor of it being nerds nerds tend to largely be white guys um and I think as the fan as nerd culture continues to diversify the furry fandom will too and I don't think anyone will care I think I don't think the fur- I think furries are, like, not- they are not opposed to other demographics. It's just that by virtue of being nerds, there those other di- demographics are not as present. But I think, like I said, as nerd starts to diversify, um, the furry fandom will too. But this is not to say that we are not diverse in terms of, like, LGBT. Oh my god, it- the fandom is so gay. But that's not a bad thing. No. No.
1: It's so boiled down your <laughs> your basic opinion, of course, is like you said, intolerance is the main thing as yeah. far as from what you've witnessed and from what you understand mm. about the fandom. Yeah. And granted, there are a few, you know, common sense things that, you know, people aren't supposed to do. Right. Yep. But, you know, as far as a person's sexuality, a person's race, you know, um, their size, non-subjective at all inside of the family. Oh, absolutely.
0: Absolutely not. Like, we are so accepting of that. Like, you can be any body type and you can find a significant other you can be you can have any configuration of gender identity and sexual orientation and you can find a significant other indeed you could probably find multiple because